Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. A Wisconsin judge orders officials to stop allowing voters to take back their ballots and redo their votes. This while a Virginia lawmaker demands answers for voter registration delays. An intense midterm battle heats up Wisconsin as two contestants vie for the hearts and minds of voters and a U.S. Senate seat. Distrust in the voting process. This comes as some Texans visited the testing of voting machines in their county ahead of Election Day. A new report says Democrats are running a network of quasi-news websites. The media sites spread pro-Democrat messages under the guise of independent local media. Starting with election news, a judge has ruled that voters in Wisconsin cannot cancel their ballot and submit a new one after they have already cast their vote. Entity's Jessica Beatty explains. Before the Wisconsin Elections Commission, or WEC, allowed election clerks to give voters back their completed and submitted absentee ballots so they could cast new ballots. The Elections Commission allowed it after several candidates dropped out of high-profile races including Democrat candidates for the U.S. Senate. But a Wisconsin voter sued the state's elections commission over the practice, arguing it violates state law that says a clerk shall not return the ballot to the elector once submitted. Waukesha County Circuit Judge Brad Schimmel, a Republican, sided with the voter, putting a stop to the practice for now at least with an injunction. The group representing the voter called the judge's ruling a major victory for Wisconsin voters. In a statement, the group said, WEC's unlawful guidance destroys voter confidence and taints the integrity of Wisconsin's elections. Once a vote is cast, it's cast, period. The WEC did not respond to a request for comment. The Democratic National Committee has intervened in the case, siding with the WEC. They're appealing the judge's decision. The temporary injunction can later be rescinded, stayed, or made permanent. The case is still ongoing. And over in Virginia, a state lawmaker is asking why over 100,000 voter registrations were delayed ahead of the midterms and why lawmakers were not notified. Democrat Senator Lionel Spruill holds a key oversight role in the state's elections. Last week, he asked the Virginia Elections Commissioner for an explanation. The commissioner blamed intermittent network issues for the delay. She said over 100,000 voter registrations were sent to local registrars for processing. She said the issue is now resolved and no voter registration data was lost. But the delay will cause an increase in processing at the local level. Senator Spruill said he was disappointed to learn about the delay in the newspaper. In the future, he has to be notified directly. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. A report says Democrats are running a network of quasi-local news websites. The media sites spread pro-Democrat messages in swing states ahead of the midterm elections. According to Axios, the network encompasses at least 51 local news outlets across 10 swing states. Each of these quasi-media have a nonpartisan-sounding name, such as the Milwaukee Metro Times, the Tri-City Record, and the Mecklenburg Herald. The sites share a common template. They mix sports stories and other local news with political content that is heavily biased toward Democrat candidates. The sites are purportedly run by a one-year-old Florida-based company called Local Report. They may also be partly run by a progressive media company owned by a Hillary Clinton-affiliated investment firm. 
Democrat campaigns in several states have been referencing stories published by these media. It's unclear whether those sharing the content know that those aren't independent news reports. U.S. Republican Senator Ron Johnson sparred with challenger Mandela Barnes during the first of two televised debates in Milwaukee. This ahead of the November 8th midterm elections. Entity's Daniel Monahan has more. The Friday debate revolved around hot-button issues like abortion, migration, and climate change. Before entering politics, Johnson was the CEO of a polyester and plastics manufacturer. As a young man, he delivered newspapers and worked as a dishwasher in a restaurant. Barnes is an American politician who has been the 45th lieutenant governor of Wisconsin since 2019. He is the son of a school teacher and a United Auto Workers member. On climate change, Johnson said. So the climate has always changed, always will change, so I don't deny climate change. Uh, the question is, can you really do anything about it? He continued that China and India are going to be burning fossil fuels and that America will have to do the same. He also stated that 80% of American energy is currently from fossil fuels, which won't change anytime soon because wind and solar are not reliable. Barnes, though, says carbon emissions reduction is important. What we also need to do is move towards a clean energy economy. On immigration, Johnson says we first need to secure the border. And we by and large had it secured under the previous administration. We'd stopped the flow of unaccompanied children and families exploiting our, our asylum laws. The U.S. Border Patrol reported more than 1.6 million encounters with illegal immigrants along the U.S.-Mexico border in 2021. That was the highest total on record, until this year, that is. Border Patrol has reported 2 million encounters during the first 11 months of the 2022 fiscal year. While acknowledging that the immigration system is completely broken, Barnes says... And I fully support comprehensive immigration reform that creates a path to citizenship. On abortion, the candidates had this to say... I would absolutely vote to codify Roe versus Wade. To Let we the people decide with a one-time single-issue single issue referendum. Johnson continued that the referendum would decide at what point society has the responsibility to protect life in the womb. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. More on elections. New state laws in Delaware allowing universal mail-in voting and Election Day registration were struck down on Friday. Delaware's Supreme Court ruled they violate the state's constitution. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more. Republicans celebrated the ruling at the Freedom Festival banquet in Dewey Beach Friday evening. Chair of the Delaware Republican Party, Jane Brady, called it a win for the rule of law. There will be no vote by mail in November. Brady is a former Delaware Attorney General and former Superior Court Judge. She says other than absentee voting, no excuse mail-in voting has no place in Delaware. During the pandemic in 2020, due to the governor declaring an emergency, the General Assembly passed laws to allow voting by mail. Lawmakers seeking to make it permanent passed bills that were signed into law in July. The Supreme Court ruled that vote-by-mail statutes that were passed in June and signed by the governor in July are unconstitutional under Delaware's constitution. The state's justices say the vote-by-mail statute impermissibly expands the categories of absentee voters identified in Delaware's constitution, and that same-day registration law conflicts with the registration periods spelled out in the state's constitution. Brady stressed the importance of getting out to vote and expressed her concern about the upcoming midterms. I am so distressed at the low numbers of people who come out to vote sometimes. Every one of us needs to be at that ballot box. Every one of us who cares about our kids and education and the inflation and gas prices and our national security and energy independence needs to be at those ballot boxes. U.S. House candidate Lee Murphy says he's happy with the court's decision. 
He ran for Congress in 2020, but lost to incumbent Democratic Congresswoman Lisa Blunt Rochester. Which will really level the playing field for all the candidates in the state. Murphy says in 2020 he won the machine ballots on Election Day, but lost in mail-in ballots. Delaware Democratic Attorney General Kathleen Jennings called opponents of the law struck down on constitutional grounds political extremists that will go to any lengths to stop people from voting. Democrat leaders in the state's House and Senate say their efforts to amend Delaware's constitution for voting is more important now than ever. A Delaware constitutional amendment requires a two-thirds vote by each chamber in two consecutive general assemblies. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Distrust in elections. Some Texans say they don't feel confident about the soundness of the process. A local election administrator says he's trying to dissolve any doubts people might have. Some Texans express distrust in the integrity of elections during a state-mandated public testing of voting machines. I've been very concerned about the outcome of the last election. Don't feel like it was accurate or fair. Several dozen visitors came to the elections office of Collin County, Texas, in a suburb north of Dallas. Collin County Elections Administrator Bruce Sherbet said it was the largest turnout he's seen in his 40 years as an election worker. There's definitely a, a confidence problem with some folks uh, uh, in our election processes, and the, the best way to address that is to, to be transparent about the process, to show all of the safeguards that are built into the voting process, and to answer questions when they come up. And, and that's really how we're going to start maybe getting things a little bit more on track. A resident and retired electrical engineer said the electronic method of voting raises his suspicions. Anything electronic can be hacked. So I really wanted to come out here to see, you know, firsthand where the vulnerabilities might be. He's not the only one worried about voting electronically. I just have no faith in our current uh, voting machines because I don't trust or believe in anything that we don't have complete and utter transparency to the software and the hardware. Another local says she wants to see firsthand how things go down on election day. And so I've just been going to commissioner meetings and trying to figure out you know, how I can get involved and, and make it as fair as possible. The election administrator says that's exactly what he wants too, so that as many people as possible trust the process. We, we want people to get involved in this process, and we invite them to be poll workers or, or poll watchers or whatever they want to do to, to be involved in this process. And to see this many people coming is encouraging to me because the best way that you can really feel comfortable about a situation is to actually know and understand the processes. The public testing which the residents came to watch was mandatory as part of a state law passed by Texas Republicans in 2021 which says election administrators must publicly perform tests on voting machines before election day. The law also contains restrictions on mail-in ballots and requires the state's largest counties to provide a 24-hour video live stream of areas containing voted ballots. In other news, a Tennessee pro-life activist said FBI agents arrested him for blocking an abortion clinic. He says they came to his home with guns pointed at him. No, I want to know why you were banging on my door with a gun. You're not going to tell me anything? No, you didn't. You did not try. Can I have your name? You're not going to give me your name. You're not going to give me any information. 
Paul Vaughn recently told the Daily Signal that agents came to his home with, quote, guns pointed at the door, banging on the house, yelling and screaming. He provided the outlet with this video reportedly taken by his wife. Vaughn said some of his children were in the yard and were getting ready to go to school at the time, and other children were inside his house. He said he let the agents arrest him so he could quickly de-escalate the situation. Vaughn and about a dozen other pro-life activists were charged with violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act. The act prohibits blocking people from receiving abortions. Prosecutors said the protesters conspired to blockade a Tennessee abortion clinic in 2021, preventing a woman and an employee from entering. Some of the activists have told the media that the protest was peaceful. More on the FBI, the Bureau is collecting the addresses of some gun purchasers. It's an attempt to comply with federal law as part of their national instant criminal background check system. The policy applies to people who tried to buy a gun but were denied or delayed. Federally licensed firearms dealers are now required to provide the FBI with their personal addresses. The FBI will also provide local law enforcement with those details. The change in policy follows President Biden signing a bill that included gun control in March. Earlier, firearms dealers only had to provide the state of residence rather than the full address in case of denied or delayed purchases. Gun rights groups, the Central Texas Gun Works, called the new policy unconstitutional. The owner of the group said in the press release that the FBI mandate goes beyond the bill signed by Biden. The FBI decision is the latest in a series of moves that gun owners say will curtail their rights. And from Second Amendment rights to social media, Facebook's owner Meta is warning that as many as one million users may have had their login information stolen. Meta's researchers have discovered more than 400 malicious Android and Apple apps designed to steal personal Facebook logins. A Meta spokesperson says the company is reaching out to the users who may be at risk. The malicious apps are disguised as games, photo editors, and health and lifestyle services. Often app users are asked to log in with Facebook, which enables hackers to steal logins and passwords. A Google spokesperson says the apps that have been identified as part of the scam are being removed from Google Play. Phony socialite Anna Sorokin's con scheme inspired a Netflix series, but it landed her in jail. Now she's gaining from back from some freedom. She was released from U.S. immigration custody to remain on house arrest. Sorokin is fighting deportation to Germany. She was convicted in 2019 of conning $275,000 from banks, hotels, and wealthy New Yorkers. It all went to financing her luxurious lifestyle. Using the name Anna Delvey, she passed herself off as the daughter of a German diplomat or an oil baron and lied about having $67 million overseas. Her trial lawyer said she simply got in over her head as she tried to start a private arts club. After serving three years behind bars, Sorokin was released last year and then detained by immigration authorities. Now she's under home confinement while she fights deportation. She's wearing an ankle monitor and is prohibited from posting on social media. She also had to post a $10,000 bond. And just ahead, Russia carries out apparent retaliation strikes on Ukraine during rush hour. This after a bridge linking Russia and Ukraine's Crimean region is bombed. And after firing two more missiles, North Korea says its recent missile tests are designed to simulate a nuclear attack on South Korea. Stay tuned for more in just a minute.
Russia bombed Kyiv and other cities across Ukraine during rush hour this morning. The strikes killed civilians and destroyed infrastructure. The attacks followed an explosion on a key Russian bridge. Here are the details. Explosions shook Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, on Monday, as well as the cities of Lviv, Ternopil and Dnipro. Thick smoke was seen rising from central Kyiv after several loud blasts. It comes after Russian President Vladimir Putin accused Ukraine of a terrorist attack on this bridge, linking Russia and Crimea. A powerful blast on Saturday partially destroyed the roadway, a key supply route for Moscow's forces in southern Ukraine. Speaking on Sunday, Putin said the attack was aimed at destroying, quote, Russia's critically important civilian infrastructure and that it was devised, carried out and ordered by the Ukrainian special services. He also said citizens of Russia and foreign countries were among those who helped Ukrainian special services prepare. No one has claimed responsibility for the explosion, but it did prompt gleeful messages from Ukrainian officials. Not only was the bridge an important supply route, but also a major artery for the port of Sevastopol, where the Russian Black Sea Fleet is based. Images show part of the bridge's roadway blown away, causing huge queues of cars to line up on Sunday. However, rail services and partial road traffic has resumed. North Korea says the flurry of recent missile tests was designed to simulate a nuclear attack on South Korea. State news agency KCNA called it a warning after South Korean and U.S. forces conducted large-scale Navy drills. Leader Kim Jong-un has reportedly guided exercises by nuclear tactical operation units over the past two weeks, involving ballistic missiles with mock nuclear warheads. Its purpose, KCNA says, to deliver a strong message of war deterrence. The agency reported that the various tests simulated targeting military command, facilities in the south, striking main ports and neutralizing airports. It also quoted Kim Jong-un as saying, Even though the enemies continue to talk about dialogue and negotiations, we do not have anything to talk about, nor do we feel the need to do so. North Korea fired two more ballistic missiles on Sunday, officials in Seoul and Tokyo said, bringing the total launches to up to seven since September the 25th. The U.S. and South Korea have held joint Navy drills recently, including one that involved a U.S. aircraft carrier on Friday, a day after the South scrambled fighter jets in retaliation to an apparent North Korean aerial bombing drill. U.S. and South Korean officials say there are signs the North might soon detonate a nuclear device in underground tunnels at a nuclear testing site, which was officially shuttered in 2018. Top U.S. officials met with Taliban leaders Saturday for the first time since late July. It was the first time the two sides met in person since an al-Qaeda leader was killed in Kabul by a missile strike. The U.S. has previously accused the Taliban of violating agreement with the Trump administration in which they agreed not to harbor terrorists. The Biden administration sent the CIA's deputy director and the top State Department official for Afghanistan to Qatar for the talks. Last month, the White House called cooperation with the Taliban on counterterrorism a work in progress. A French criminal court opened a historic manslaughter trial today. The trial is for Air France and plane maker Airbus. Relatives are seeking justice 13 years after a passenger jet plunged into the Atlantic, killing everyone on board. 
The tragic crash of the Air France flight in 2009 killed nearly 230 people. It happened during a nighttime storm on a flight from Rio de Janeiro to Paris. Investigators determined that the pilots responded clumsily to a problem involving icy speed sensors. This caused them to lurch into a freefall without responding to alerts. Experts say the key to the trial will be distinguishing pilot error from sensor error. Why the crew of three failed to understand that the jet had stalled is a mystery. Pushing the nose down would have been the correct maneuver to generate more lift, but instead they yanked it up for much of the fatal four-minute plunge towards the Atlantic. Coming up, New Jersey celebrated Columbus Day with a lofty parade. Some celebrating U.S. history came all the way from Italy or China. Stay tuned to find out more. New Jersey had its annual Columbus Day Parade and Italian Festival over the weekend. Because of the pandemic, it's the first one held since 2019. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the event. We really enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. Okay. It's a lot of fun. And we really like this parade. The parade featured 19 bands, around 70 different organizations, and more floats than ever before. The chairman of the parade and festival says it's an important day to remember. It's a great day for all Italian Americans. We got to stop taking away Columbus Day, and we got to put more Columbus Day events on the calendar each year. It's time to move Italian heritage and, and, and culture forward like other nationalities. Around 13 Italian-American organizations came to show their support in solidarity. Enjoy the culture, the people, the contributions. Some participants came all the way from Italy. Other groups, such as the Falandafa Waste Drummers, joined the parade to share their traditions with the community. Greater Chinese group, we hope they are here more and more each year. We want to show our support for them like they're showing the support for us. As to recent calls from some to remove Columbus Day and Columbus statues, many felt it important to keep history intact in order to learn from the past. But you can't change history. You have to change the bad things. You can't change what happened. You have to remember what happened and then make that change. Judging by the smiles of the crowds, onlookers and participants alike were happy to keep Columbus Day alive and experience the Italian food, music, vendors and crafts. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. It's pumpkin season and this year North America has a new record. You have to see how big this pumpkin is. This massive gourd has set the record for heaviest pumpkin in North America. It weighs a whopping 2,480 pounds. Jamie Graham won the prize at the annual All New England Giant Pumpkin Weigh-Off at a fair in Massachusetts. His pumpkin broke the previous record of a little over 2,200 pounds. He posted on social media with his pumpkin, which he named Bear Swipe. He said it's now the fourth biggest in the world this year and the 11th biggest undamaged pumpkin ever grown. What a feat. Graham won 6,500 bucks for first place and also got a little over 2,000 extra for breaking the fair record. That's all for today's program. We're really glad to have you with us. Please send us an email if you'd like to tell us something. We're going to put it on screen. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City. 